Hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I'm your host Spencer and with me is... Uh, he told me he's going to make sure that, that Freya doesn't go off to fight in the war. But I, uh, but uh, he has been dodging my phone calls. I'm telling you, I have a lot of experience. I've talked to many people you talk to. In, in fact, excuse me, I have to go talk to a person real quick. Yes. No, I trust me. Everything's working out. Your son is as good as released. Yeah. No, there's no need to thank me. Please, it's for our country. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So, uh, I just need, you know, I don't, I don't. It's an indelicate thing, but there are certain people at the pound that uh, I need to Spencer. I need at least three hundred dollars. Uh, and I know it's desperate time. I know it's COVID time, and I hear you. But um, it's just to get it started. I promise. It's not. This is not going to be an ongoing thing. We're we're going to make this happen, though. You said that last time. Oh yeah, and that dog did. Wow. Um. Do you want to buy this ring? Uh. Look, okay. Look like a fake. Anyway. My name is Joel. Yeah. Uh, this is. <laughs> The second half of our June pairing, uh, which is 1959, which is uh, Ro- not Rashomon Monomore, Hiroshima Monomore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, Hiroshima I was, Mon- was mid drink. I'm glad I didn't choke. <laughs> and uh, uh, the episode of the movie for this one, General Della uh, Rivera. Rivera? Rivera. Something like that. Let's just say Rivera. Rivera. I mean, how would you say it if you were pretending to be Italian? Rivera. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Gotta add the extra uh, garlic and olive oil. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on the last part. Della Rivera. And Della, I think, means like either by a river or on a hill. It it, mm. it does deal. It's something about geography. It's all I remember. Cool. Anyway, so this is a World War Two movie, which interestingly, Hiroshima and Moore is also a World War Two movie. Uh, about very different things. Um, this is also our first Roberto Rossellini movie, and this is the first one I've ever seen. I, I've been aware of him for. Uh, as long as I've been like into like the, you know the uh, like art house or uh, Criterion side of things, mm-hmm. but this one those names of like, eventually I'll get to it. And this was like my uh, me forcing that eventually to happen because you knew his famous daughter eventually would come to your house and make you watch something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't okay. think, don't think I realized uh, who his daughter was for a long time because like I feel like I found out uh, like uh, realized that later on because I, I remember thinking like Isabella Rossellini can't be his daughter that's that's too yeah. that that that's too much it's like oh it, it really is his daughter <laughs> right is it, and there's another famous actress with the last name Rossellini too right and that I'm drawing a blank on um is, no. Sorry. Uh, um, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Oh, my cat just put her claws into my shoulder blade. Oh, God. 
Ah, they were stuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Everything's going wrong. Okay. Um. So yeah, what, what am I? Am I thinking of? You know what? Never mind. I'm thinking of Bergman. <laughs> her? You mean her mother, Ingrid? Yes, Ingrid Bergman. Yes, yes. That's why I made the disconnect because Ingrid Bergman has the same last name as, uh, what's his name, Bergman. I can't remember now. The Swedish one. <laughs> uh, the things are both Swedish, actually. I mean, yes, they are. And they work together. Oh, but, Igmar? Uh, oh, yes, Ingmar Bergman has the same last name as... <laughs> I think okay, there's no point. <laughs> they only made one movie together, too. Or maybe two movies. Yeah, I think. Yeah. They released a set. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, um. Before we get into the movie proper, I won't get into Rossellini because uh, uh, this will come out kind of later, a, a little bit later than most episodes. Uh, this movie, as far as I know, isn't really talked about, so I was kind of really worried that like it'll disappear from streaming um, before like you know it'd be closer to release date. Because mm-hmm. you know, if streaming is like it might be there for a year, it might be there for ten years, or it might be there for two weeks. Yeah, and, um, I'm not. I'm not even sure that this one would be up on streaming if Raro Video hadn't released a Blu-ray of it. But I mean, they they say that they did a bunch of like, um, on the Amazon rental at least, a bunch of like uh, work cleaning the negative and all this stuff like that. And it looks fucking gorgeous on Amazon, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, I did chill out. I did Google Play. I usually I go for cheapest, and I was like, you know what? I'll pay for HD. Mm-hmm. And it was worth that extra dollar. But Rossellini, uh, as of a few weeks ago, um, friend of the show, Chris Funderburg, uh, had like in his, in his typical kind of like, um, uh, like, in, I not say intellectual, but what like in in his like jokey kind of way, being like, uh, making fun of the how people say Fellini was apolitical, but actually he worked with the fascist government. And during World War Two, and he mentioned in that uh, in that tweet thing uh, that Rossellini also uh, was involved, and so I looked into that, and mm-hmm. Rossellini was even more involved. Where Fellini yeah. is uh, kind of, um, I think it was ma- tried to make a prop- made a propaganda film, but I'm not sure if it got released or. There's kind of some complex stuff beyond that. That and uh, eight and a half. Yeah, and a half. No, but Rossellini, um, he was good friends with Vittorio Mussolini, who, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the the son of uh, Benito, the dictator, uh, and he was the uh, first one acknowledged because he had a, an older son that he, I guess, was saw was uh, saw as too weak or something, who was never formally acknowledged by the fascist government or by his father. But uh, Vittorio Mussolini, he was uh, a film freak. He was a film critic. He wrote some movies. He worked with Italian film studios. And he was good buddies, like I just said, with Rossellini. And he was friends with, and not as close friends with, Antonioni and Fellini. Italy is a small country. They all hang out together, right? Yeah. 
And I, 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 I'm not I, based on what happens in this movie. I mean, what, what do you think is a, comes I th- off as his politics in this? I think this movie is kind of an apology of him acknowledging, like, yeah, I worked with this government, but also like him being like, but I, but uh, okay. So the thing, uh, uh, so Rossellini, like a lot of uh, you know art housey type directors, like they work in in trilo- not in trilogies and like. Th- thematic um uh series series you know and like uh in uh in his first big like his first first like successful movies in italy were a trilogy of pro-fascist movies uh and i think two at least two of them were written by vittorio mussolini and then as soon as the the fascist uh government fell he went to making anti-fascist propaganda films so I don't think necessarily he believed in it. I think he believed in it uh, around the people he needed to, to just to survive. Sure. He believed in staying alive and probably protecting the you know family members and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to call somebody a coward in a political situation like that when you... Never, you know, luckily in, in the U.S., we haven't had to experience anything like that yet. Yeah. And I feel... Y-E-T. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like just, like, General Della uh, Rivera is... It, apparently based off a true story, I was trying to look into it, but everything came up with the movie. Um, I feel like this is just him being like, yes, I, I was a part of it, I helped out, but then I realized I... You know, him being like... It and I shouldn't have, and this is might be like some sort of meta fantasy of him being like, and this is what happened if I did stand up, if I did, on some, I don't know, mm. but I, but I do think like there's some connection to his like past with World War Two and the fascist government and what this movie is about. Well, there's not even a the to to get into this kind of already the the way the characters are displayed in the or played in this movie like everyone is respectful of military in general like even though we're people are talking about like resistance kind of things and like people who the the nazis are looking for it's you never see any like actual rebelling against the you know the people with the guns which makes sense you don't want to get shot obviously but i think very often when somebody's trying to say something about uh how the fascism is bad there will be you know people who rise up but that that's one of the things that i find so appealing about italian neorealism is mm-hmm. like the the sense of helplessness that you get from the actors and and things like that so but the main character to go with what I'm saying, um, I know he's a cad and, and stuff like that, like we find out, but it's also about the way that the Nazi German officers are portrayed, where, you know, they talk to even these prisoners with, like, respect, like, I don't want to do these terrible things, but, you know, I'm just doing my job. That's a terrible thing to say. It is much more respect than some movies ever showed Nazis giving people, you know? Yeah. And you know, shoot them like a dog in the street, not tell them, like, 
well, this this prisoner obviously needs more food or whatever. Like, and it's interesting you mentioned neorealism because, um, guess uh, what son of a dictator kind of helped uh, that movement happen? Um, uh, Donnie Jr. Yes. No. Uh, Vittorio wow. Mussolini kind of is partially responsible for helping create that genre because he also wanted to mm. create like art, like artful films, and not just commercial films. And so he did encourage like Fellini and Antonioni and those guys to make like more artful films on some level. And it. Listen. I, I'm going to say something very political here. Yes. Why is it the fashions, the fascists from back then paid for people to do uh, art? And the fascist we got recently mm-hmm. cut all the funding for the art. Because Is that, is that why the, the coup wasn't successful? <laughs> because, uh, like, to bring up, like, um, uh, Starship Troopers, which I rewatched for the first time in, like, 15 years, uh, mm-hmm. a, few, a month ago. I still don't like it very much. But I respect it more, and I like now as I'm older, like oh, I get it. it's it's a parody, but it's also kind of fucking annoying, at least to me. Uh, but um, something the movie it's gets, got Jake Busey in it. Uh, I can deal without him. Let's <laughs> let's keep his dad. Uh, but something like that movie does, and the Tinto Brass movie Salon Kitty like do amazing, um, which we won't talk about. Uh, it's hard, hard itch to come by, and I think the blur is out print. But uh, mm. and what those really nails that the Nazis had great uniforms, and mm. and like they, and they like they basically caters the image of like if you, if you're a fascist and a Nazi, then you look great, you eat great food, you get to go to great uh, whorehouses, you live a great rich life, and they really cater just like. Like you look at the like this the Nazi uniforms and it's like these are horrible people, but like but but like the, the, the designs of the badgers just it just looks cool. <clears throat> yeah. And like Starship Troopers, the same thing. Like the like the uh, when in uh, not NPR Neil Patrick Harris is like looking like uh, SS officer. It's like oh the, that like the the color choices the cut like it just like is appealing. And it's like, oh, like, you know, like, in this, and I, and like, look at the, uh, the recent where you've in America, it's like a red hat and like khaki pants. And it's like, that doesn't look cool. Like, I think, I do think the image is a part of why, uh, it didn't work, uh, here as sure. opposed to like, you know, seven years ago. And I'm not saying I agree with the message. I'm saying like, they knew what they were doing. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I under, I understand what you're saying. <clears throat> they had they had a centrified message that wasn't co opted by a bunch of other also crazy people. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and another thing they did is they actually killed a bunch of their enemies. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about a fun movie. Yeah, New York like, Ripper, uh, super fun. General Della <laughs> Della Roveri. Yeah. So, uh, you like this, uh, now I overall really like this, but, uh, I don't know, I feel like maybe, and I'll like it more. So what, what, what is your general take on this movie? How would you, so, so, there's a criterion out there. I, I don't know if, don't know. How, uh, no, there's, if, no, there's not. Of a uh, criterion? I thought there was one. 
I, I no, the only and maybe it's a DVD, but the only release I saw was uh, Raro Video. Oh, I assume because uh, it might be one of the out-of-print ones because they have so many. And it's Rossellini, so I thought they had a bunch of Rossellini. They do. Maybe they just didn't. Maybe this was already purchased by the people that were restoring it or something like that. Uh, what was Ancient General? Dell, others. It's not even coming up. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So, like. So, I think I'm just like a sucker for mm-hmm. Italian movies in this area. I, I don't know what else to say because it just. It just had me. It had me from the beginning. And, uh... Before we were recording, you made a joke that the lead actor, who is, um, a a favorite... Well, a a director I really love and appreciate, and you probably... I don't know if you've seen a lot of his movies, but Vittorio De Sica is the... Mm -hmm. He also was an actor, too. But, like, uh, he looks like Scorsese, which, like, half my notes put, like... Uh, hasn't listened as Scorsese, like once it. <laughs> ah. Of course. And watching this movie, uh, I'm like, I bet Marty saw this when he was uh, like in high school. How old he was? College? Because he he taught he was teaching at NYU in the '60s. I'm trying to get to maybe college, high school when this came out. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but he yeah, yeah Victoria De Sica is yeah. just he's he's got the the hair cut short on the sides. I mean, it's kind of like an Italian style, I guess. I don't know, but you know, slicked at top and yeah, but similar face. Eyebrow game is practically the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, nose game. Yeah, yes, De Sica is a little bit taller. I saw a picture of De Sica next to uh, Marcello, and he well, uh, Marcello is five nine. Uh, and uh, Desika was a little bit taller in the picture, so uh, and Marty I think is like Spike Lee height, maybe shorter. He's a Hervé height. Yeah. Um, the the things that like like I really liked about this is that it would even though it has Italian neorealist like touches, I wouldn't say it was mm-hmm. that movie necessarily. Not, you know, a bit too much. Like a set design for <laughs> Nazi uh, offices and prison things and stuff like that, but things like watching one the intimate touches of like watching somebody complete the actions in a room that they've obviously done a thousand times. It's like they're you know they come in, they put their their coat down, their shoe there, they pick up a cigarette and light it, and like the coffee sequence blah, blah, blah. when he's drinking coffee, yeah. which. Definitely, that, that that's like the, the sugar. Yeah, the, the sugar. Like that's my favorite moment of him. Just having his coffee, taking his time, and then you know he's alone, so he's like, "Oh, I can eat the sugar." <laughs> this straight up bowl, mm-hmm. and he does, and it's like, "Oh, it's a nice moment of lightness in the movie." Yeah, it's literally a spoonful he, of sugar. <laughs> he's not getting it there, you know. He's got this prison food, so the only yeah, probably that, and like he's even at. At the point when the barber comes in mm-hmm. and the the guard again, he just finishes his cup of coffee, but he spoons in there to to scoop out any of the sugar that is now coffee flavored and just mm-hmm. 
you know, eats it in front of these guys. And I was like, I never really thought about that before, but that it's just those little touches to me are like magic in a way that just get ignored in any other kind of filmmaking. And it gets ignored for, I think, for a good reason, because people would get bored, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. But um, I do. This kind of tricked me. I didn't realize what was going on, even though the description for the movie is the Gestapo forces conman Vittorio Bardone to impersonate a dead partisan general in order to extract information from his fellow inmates. That doesn't happen till about an hour. <laughs> yeah, that makes it sound Not, like uh like a like a Clint Eastwood movie like 10 years yeah. later. <laughs> like uh, based on that I was expecting like oh this guy's already arrested and it's like you you've impersonated all these people. Well, now now we need you to do this. So when it started I forgot that the guy was a con man. Um, I knew something was wrong because he uh, had a hot blonde in his bed. Yeah, who is like basically half, as naked as she could be. It's like, okay, well, why is he here with her exactly? She is shockingly nude, for, <laughs> in my opinion, which is very silly to say out loud, especially when in Hollywood, you know, you've got like showgirl productions and things like that going on on screen. But for some reason, her in her yeah skin skin tight like uh, whatever it looks like a, that looks like a one piece bathing suit basically. But it's like I guess yeah a sleep like a, a sleepwear. And it, it's sure enough where you're like, uh, anyways, I, I don't want to objectify any actresses, but va va boom. Um, yeah, I mean like uh uh. Uh, Russell knew what he was doing. Like it's yes. immediate. Uh, like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when he he's going about his business, pulling what we figure out to be scams, we get to know this because of that full hour we spend with him. We get to know this character in such an intimate way that when he gets rightfully kind of put in prison <laughs> but uh not by the right people uh you're kind of like huh well where's this gonna go and and then you're like oh now the plot's starting okay okay yeah yeah i mean like uh like he reminds me of johnny boy from mean streets but like kind of a toned down johnny boy like what if he wasn't violent but what if he had the same tendencies and there's kind of was a loser hmm and not, you know, Johnny Boy was recklessly almost suicidal with, like, yeah. his actions, thinking that he, he was, like, gonna live forever or whatever. I don't get the ideas of this. I get, he's more like, um, Vittorio DeSica's character is more like a rat, you know, that is taking food from all the places he goes, bringing him back to his hole, where... Even there, he's got the food hidden so that another, uh, you know, if another rat tried to break in, they wouldn't be able to find his store. And that's all he does. He goes out, he gathers food, he comes back, he goes out, you know, and you can see the results inside his uh, studio apartment or whatever (laughs) whatever it is. Uh, Because not only does he have a a super nice bed and, you know, alcohol and, you know, free salami for days, but somebody probably paid him in a blonde. Yeah. Well, like, they met because, like, she worked on a magazine and he, uh, 
promised her all this shit and you know and she quickly realized oh this guy sucks and <laughs> this is all bullshit yeah yeah pretending to be a colonel and uh, I, I I assume that that Nazi he was originally working with with the, the glasses that mm-hmm. he owed the uh, the money to 50,000 yeah 50,000 yeah that he knew this guy was just a con man but he was working with him because he was making money yeah but uh, once but when the movie starts he's already he's lost a hundred thousand lira or uh, i don't know how put that's in dollars but like every time he gets money he gambles it away and it's like so ever so as soon as the movie starts like oh that it is like seems to be a, a constant bad luck streak yep it, this so when in the beginning when he's going around doing those things trying to find a place to sell this ring and he run he runs into a person or no he doesn't run into that person he like purposely goes it seems uh-huh. like he goes to the place where the woman he used to know was like he'd known for a while she was there and had like ignored it or something and trying to find that money you know another key into his character like we find yeah. out he does still have some sort of dignity yeah uh and that stealing scene uh, reminds me of the scene in nebraska the well forte movie from like 20 2012 my favorite american movie of the last decade where his ex-girlfriend kind of similar ish scene um, shows up to his apartment and like he goes to get something for her and she just like steals something when he's not mm-hmm. in a room. Yeah, anyway, Marcus, if you're listening to this, uh, that might be a side by side. Stealing, stealing, and stealing? Well, who steals in this one? Uh, there's this part where the blonde steal goes through. God damn it. Give a second. <laughs> Mary moved the cat over here in a box mm-hmm. and she almost fell off the table um, makes sense uh, the scene where the blonde uh, goes to the uh, it starts going through his stuff when he leaves the room to get, uh, for a phone call alright yeah I- I'm talking about the other one though oh you know the the lady that I, I guess they're prostitutes. I don't know what they're actually doing, but they're all eating at a big table together. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I remember what you're talking about now. Yeah. And uh, speaking of eating, there once again another realist touch that probably means nothing to. I don't know if I'm the weirdo. But when they were serving the the soup to the prisoners, mm-hmm. I've never seen a serving soup with two ladles, one with the the more like a calendar a colander to let the soup fall out the bottom, so you can actually get like stuff in it. Like, that's how I'm going to soup serve uh, serve soup from now on. <laughs> yeah, it was even though it's a horrible prison conditions. Like it's like oh, they still care enough to make sure they. Have enough to eat. Mm. 
I mean, they're not Jewish. They're Italians. Except for there are some yeah, Jew, uh, Italian Jews in there. Yeah, there, there are a few. Uh, you know, those Nazis, they, uh, they fucking suck. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So uh, tell me, tell me what you had a disconnect about. If you if you feel like you've got anything firm on that, uh, I I found the pace weird because like I found it interesting, but at but at a certain point, like that the, there are points where I, where even I because I first watched it at night and I fell asleep at one point, and then I watched it the next day at like noon and I was still kind of getting tired so like there are parts that are like kind of like 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 the 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 realist feel like to quote you earlier like like parts of sometimes it worked and I was engaged some parts some parts I was like this is kind of boring it took me out of it a little bit I yeah I get that but not and it is like over two hours long yeah and I'm not saying that that makes it a bad movie like like thinking back on it like I do like those touches because even though like like I feel like if this was been made in Hollywood at the time it would have been at least half hour shorter even maybe 40 minutes shorter right and it would miss like the humanity of it and like in exactly. a, and having that having those drawn up moments adds a humanity of like this guy sucks and he's a collaborator with the with the Nazis and the fascists but uh you know, but he's still a human, and this one, and, and like, if you cut out, if you if you shorten this movie, you would miss those moments where it's like he's also a person at the end of the day. Yeah, it's um, yeah, pacing. I get, I get that because it's. I mean, everything is laid out in the plot like very. I'm imagining somebody unrolling a carpet very slowly. And each time you get a foot, you know, so every two to three, you know, two to four seconds, depending mm-hmm. on how slow you're going. Why, why does this matter? I don't know. But it, little things keep popping up. And mm-hmm. at first they just kind of seem kind of random, like like the tire blowout in the beginning or um, him, the woman and her mother that he talks to her being like super suspicious and it's like well yeah why wouldn't you uh and eventually like you notice as they get farther that there's actually these little strings all tying all these things together like i just can't i can't express my joy of feeling the plot lay out till its conclusion and i i'm a person who kind of likes an ambiguous ending and this one you know there's no ambiguity to it but it does feel like we had a goal at the start of the movie and we reached it even though the goal would be a complete mystery to a person who did not write the story yeah yeah i really like when he's finally caught and everything catches up to him because in that moment you get like the the blonde from earlier who's like oh this guy sucks and then you get all of the people and it's just like this snowball effect of like of like man life must have been so shitty if like if he felt desperate enough to like if like 
to take advantage of all these people. Like, it just shows, like, just how bad things had gotten. If you kind of, yeah. like, extrapolate it out and uh, you get this, like, great... Cause he, even though, like, you know, he's a con man, he, so he knows how to be charming. And he has that speech that's about, like, what else could I do? I had to help her. And then you just hear, like, the snowball effect of, like, do, like, do you think he was conscious of, like, what he was doing the whole time? Or do you think... My conscious. Do you think initially he was like, I'm just take advantage of these people? Or do you think initially there was good will there? It just kind of got so far out of his control. Mm, I mean, he seems like a gambling addict, you know, yeah. to, to go spend money that he, he definitely doesn't have to spend rather than trying to, you know, he... He needs 50. Somebody gives him the the lady who knew him from before gave him 30. So he, instead of trying to find an easy way to get the other 20, which uh, it probably would not be easy, but he would probably find a way, he goes straight to the Baccarat table. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as the bombs fall, he loses his money. Yeah, and uh, this is the first time I've seen Bac- uh, Baccarat uh, Baccarat in a movie where it's uh, mm. not in French. I'm used to like the James Bond Le Banc, and they say like some something in French. I've seen those James Bond movies a lot, or like those scenes like are like uh, AS, ASMR to me, <laughs> just like the mm. terminology. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and if you the, the only time I've ever seen Baccarat is in Austin Powers the. The first movie. Uh, probably making fun of, of those uh, James Bond scenes. Actually, uh, I was... I, never mind. I was talking about Burt Baccarat. Oh. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, if you... And if anyone has read the Casino Royale book, there's like a three-page explanation of the rules of Baccarat. Oh, I should read I- that. Ian Fleming <laughs> knew like, oh, Americans don't know what this is. So he so he threw in an explainer. <laughs> yeah, in Thunderball, there's a uh, six-page explanation of what uh, football, aka soccer, really is. <laughs> That's not true. Just in case no. you went and bought a copy of Thunderball immediately, I apologize. Yeah, I mean th- those books are so uh, those books are entertaining, but Fleming was uh, mm. a piece of shit for a lot of reasons. Yeah, sure. So to go back to his character. Um, him taking the money from these people is bad. It is. But him going and actually talking to a German officer who has some sympathy and getting, like, he, when he's in the room and those witnesses come and he's like, I helped this person and I helped that person. Like, it wasn't just me taking their money for, you know, stealing's sake. Like, I actually did help these people. So, it's like you can have empathy for him, even though he is doing kind of a rotten thing. And I think you're supposed to pointedly think that there wasn't something as bad about what he was doing when, in the scene when they're gathering the people they're going to execute. Uh, spoiler, uh, I apologize once again. Uh, the gathering the people they're going to execute, and there is a man in the room who's like, "I never did anything. I just ran a store. You know, I never, I, I shouldn't be in this room." And the the two guys are like, 
yeah, you you didn't do anything. You didn't pick a side. You didn't do help anyone. If anything, all you did was make profits. And you don't think you deserve to be punished? Like, we're fighting a war here. If you don't take a side, you take the enemy's side, basically. And I, th I think that was supposed to be like, oh, well, at least he was doing something to help people? <laughs> I don't well, know. I don't know. Like, that that's the part where I was like, is this supposed to be like autobiographical to some extent of like Will Rushley and he did pick a side during World War II <laughs> <laughs> he picked a side that wouldn't kill him I guess I don't know I mean he was buddies with the with the dictator's son and then uh, oh and uh, I, I should note um, the Vittorio uh, Mussolini he died in the late 90s and he went to South America once like he knew he was in trouble and uh, he was, as far as I know, never punished for anything. I don't know if he, what everything he did, but yeah, he managed to get out, uh, out of situation and continue to live a, uh, uh, you know, a life. Sure, they didn't shoot him like a dog, like his father. Nope. <clears throat> By the way, don't shoot a dog. No. Yeah. Unless, you know, it's like a zombie dog, like in Resident Evil 1. No, you should probably let that zombie dog bite you. It's innocent. Yeah. No, a zombie person. Boom. Blow the head off. But the, but it, it scared you by jumping through the window. It did. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right, that uh, always happens. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also in, like, the whole when he's caught... Uh, um, Vittorio, to seek his character is caught. Not enough Italian names. Too many. <laughs> too, uh, to seek his character is caught. Um, uh, you learn because uh, the one Nazi he's like friends with. Well, he's friends with a couple. Yeah. The, the the main one he's friends with, uh, Colonel Mueller. Uh, like goes through like his military history and is like, uh, you're expelled from the military for for debt drugs and goes this long list and it's like man this guy sucks like uh, you keep getting this like back and forth of he helps the community but he also uh is just a shitty person in a lot of ways and uh and Colonel Mueller is like well you have two you have two choices we uh execute for fraud or corruption of uh Nazi officers <laughs> and it's like <clears throat> And like in that situation, of course you would like go under if if the option of like, but you could be undercover as a as a, like an agent or whatever to steal to get information. It's like of course you would take, of course like he would take that because you know like everything leading up to that would uh you know uh it, it doesn't feel far fetched even though like when you think about it, it's like um broad and broad strokes it's kind of a crazy thing to bring up out of nowhere yeah that's exactly right you, know, you, you because it paints the perfect like trail to only end up with him being forced into the position of uh possibly having to betray these uh well see he's not even at on their side no so to speak he's not a, against the nazis he's just yeah, he's just trying to work the system. 
yeah, like, and save lives somehow that way. Yeah, because I don't think he really so picks, complicated. I don't think he really picks a side until like the final scene. No, definitely not. Because up until not, not until what you know, what's his face is dying practically, or dies like right next to him. The guy who does he the, the barber? Yeah, the barber. Yeah, not not until that happens do I feel like he changes what he thinks is important. It's like no longer his life, but possibly the lives of uh, all the other people that are trying to be saved by the rebels or whatever resistance. Yeah. And like, uh, and so uh, you get a very brief scene of the real General Della Rivera and he's shot in the Nazi officers, which I think is might be supposed to be a moment of like uh, maybe uh, dark humor. And they're like, you weren't supposed to shoot him, which is basically what the scene uh, amounts to. Yeah, I mean, it is it is darkly funny because they're like, you, do you realize how badly you fucked up? Like, <laughs> I just <laughs> sorry because because the scene take yeah, that's one of the fastest scenes. Yeah, and like I think. Uh, Another, like, one thing that took me, not took me off, but, like, kind of threw me off in a more negative way was kind of this, like, you'd get these, the, the, the killing of the real general, and then you get the scene of the freedom fighters in some city, and the rubble, like, discussing their plans before they get captured, and just getting these random cutaways was like, I don't know what's happening, and then by the end, it's like, okay, it makes sense why, like, you get these very very brief glimpses glimpses into other people yeah hmm. and I really, All right, have I have I convinced you it's the best movie you ever saw yet I, I do like it more uh oh yeah and uh the I like the way it's shot it has cause it doesn't feel like Umberto D or anything like that but it's still you know you mentioned like some of the, like, the touches of of, the, of like these people as being human and you get uh, just these really great, like in the first half, basically whenever he's at his apartment, uh, he um, and you see that you see the size of the apartment, and it's cramped and full of stuff because you know he's just accumulated a bunch of stuff through scams, and then you see the hallway, and it's tiny and cramped, and it's like. And, like, it's kind of stressful just to, like, look at. Because, like, how how can someone survive in this with, like, the with like the war going on around them and bombing raids? And it's, like, like it, it generally is, like, I found it to be stressful. And then you get to the second half in prison where you get the wide shot of the main hallway in the prison. And it's this very wide... Uh, it's this very wide space, but they're all but all the jail cells. So it's like there's still all this tight confinement, and like he's like he's never like on a, like a symbolic level, like he's never free and open. He's always tight, uh, always in like a tight confined um, situation. Yeah, there is no, it, you know, it. I think the closest movie we've watched to this in the series so far is probably La Strada and La Strada had the, you know, took place contemporary with when the movie was made, I think. Right. Uh, I think it's supposed to be, they never clearly says, 
it's like post-war, so there's like ruins and stuff like that, but there's all these like on-the-road wide open shots and stuff like that and that's that's what i was talking about like the the rat you Mm -hmm. know comparison like rats will crawl along the wall they'll they'll go through a pipe and stuff like that but there's there's a measurable amount of like open space they want they don't want eyes seeing them they don't want uh you know, long hallways or something like that where somebody could follow you and you wouldn't be able to hear them. Or, and yeah. now, now, I don't know if rats are that suspicious, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I get the, the what you're getting at. And uh, so do you... Uh, where is my thing? So uh, do you like the structure of the first half is the character set up in the second half is the plot i mean yeah that's that's the easiest way to put it there's certainly like it yeah it, it's like the whole first half could have taken place in like a flashback if it was a a different slightly different made movie <laughs> yeah like when he gets to prison or maybe right before he's going to be executed he like tells the chaplain like this is who i really am and here's my story and uh, that wouldn't have been as that would have been too cheesy. Yeah. Because no one's going to remember him at the end of this movie. Nobody is going to remember uh, Vittorio Bardon. And for the longest time in the movie, we don't even know the man's name. He's going by Colonel something something, and like- he uses a different name with somebody else. And I think it's not until he runs into that woman who used to know him where we hear him called, you know, uh, Victoria Bardon. Yeah. Again, too many. Uh, I don't, what's up with Italians and these, like. Too many Italians. There are not enough names. So many mm. Vittorios. Grimaldi. Yeah. He's not going to be remembered at the end of this movie where he sacrifices himself. It's General Grimaldi. Who he has been impersonating, or, or uh, Del- General? Sorry, uh, Della De Rivera. Yeah. Who is Grimaldi? Oh, somebody calls him Grimaldi. That's right. He calls himself Grimaldi in the flashback when he meets um, uh, um, the Colonel Mueller when they first mm. are introduced. And Colonel Mueller is basically like, "Oh, we're similar people," which I, I think is kind of like what the gist of like the flashback was, and it's like. They kind of are similar people, and that's, uh, uh, definitely, yeah. Which I think, it, it, I, which is like, I don't know, like you know, we, I've never been in that situation. I don't know what I would do, but like you know, like initially he's like, oh yeah, uh, we're similar. Okay, great, and so he sees it as a, as you know survival. But by the end, he's like, he, he when he picks a side, he's like he's actually actively trying to not be like 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 the colonel yeah and the colonel doesn't understand like he's i guess i guess we're supposed to think that this was his plan all along although when he when he originally signs his like death warrant it almost seems like he's just resigned to like i can't use that anymore i'm gonna kill him but when the when they're being led off to to the uh, firing squad and he pulls, um, he pulls uh, De Sica 
aside. And he's like, did he tell you? You know, sometimes when you're on the edge of uh, being executed, they'll reveal who they really are, which is what happened. But rather than Desika trying saving his own life at this point, he writes a good, you know, what I can only assume was a goodbye note to the general's uh, wife. Yeah. Who had come and like had come back from Switzerland to try to see her husband one last time since he was in prison. And yeah, uh, what, what were we originally talking about? No, I'm just like so sucked into thinking about no, the no. scene. I can't remember. Oh, the colonel, the colonel just not being able to understand who like he's practically like, who are you? Yeah, he's like, he's like, we were best friends. What happened? Yeah. Slap him in the face and be like, you know, you're not this guy, right? <laughs> yeah, he should have been like, you're a fascist just like me. We're in it together. We 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 made these friendship bracelets. Don't you remember? Yeah, yeah. and I like the detail of he ascends to his fate because, mm-hmm. like before, you know, he's at because uh, like metaphorically and symbolically, you can look at it as like he's at ground level at all times he's hiding in the trash and in, in the shadows and then he he is killed out in the wide in a open wide open space yeah which really sticks out because everything else in the movie is just tight confined and then he goes to the fire to the field the firing squad and it's like and you and you get like this beautiful wide shot of like the of like uh of everyone set up and it's the art piece that the one like freedom fighter was working on earlier that I feel like is symbolic of something that I don't know enough about Italy during World War II to know because I feel like that that has to have some deeper meaning that might be lost on like non-Italians to to go slightly off subject could you uh, that part where he like sees the guy I, I assume he was painting a mural yeah. Could you see what that guy was painting? Because I couldn't tell. It would like look completely washed out to me. Uh, same on on the version I watched. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I guess he's supposed to be painting a mural because he's telling him what's missing from the scene, but I don't see anything on the wall. <laughs> Maybe that's the joke. Maybe. Oh, oh my God. What? I'll bet he's not painting a mural. I bet he's just painting the wall white. And the joke is, he's like, this is a terrible... (laughs) This a terrible mural, you know? You can't even see this building (laughs) and this building. Like, haha, very funny. That might be it. Alright, a character uh, when you get to prison that you're introduced to is Boncelli, who's a barber. And... Mm -hmm. And like uh, he's basically what uh, what um, the what Vittorio will turn into by the end, because bon- he I mean he inspires him yeah yeah I mean through his death but like before that like immediately you're like okay this guy's actually serious and um past picked aside uh yeah. Yeah. Like is in stance by what he says he he's going to do. Doesn't talk. Doesn't talk at any point, even when tortured. 
and cho- chooses to die rather than possibly revealing what he knows about resistance members. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like that's it's noble. Uh, I don't think I would be able to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I'm I'm enough of a I, I'm aware of my own uh, strengths and feelings to know that as soon as somebody starts trying to pull out one of my fingernails or such, I'll probably be like, uh, uh, it was Spencer, it was Spencer. Uh, I do the same thing. Like, oh, okay, you motherfucker. No. <laughs> like if it was just like I don't know, being beaten with like fist or like uh, 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 I don't know, like a bow staff or whatever. Fine. If it's like appendages are being are being targeted and it's like okay this is it's going too far yeah per- permanent damage like i honestly if some you're messing up my face i feel like i'm still like fine with like uh but you know don't poke out my eyes yeah yeah. It's it's kind of gnarly looking when when he gets returned back to his cell. I couldn't tell if he was supposed to look like they'd taken one of his eyeballs out, but I don't think yeah, so. they did bad things. Yeah, and the, the thing the wrist slit was I did not expect that uh, at no. all. Uh, <clears throat> which I, I guess I'm more used to like because even like the Japanese movies from this era wouldn't include that, right? And this is just like, whoa, that's uh, a little much. Which was kind of the point, but at the same time, I was like, I this is like the earliest I've seen like a graphic post, like like a graphic that uh, of the a graphic like corpse on screen. Mm. I think that by choosing suicide, because originally when the uh, Sika woke up next to him in the cell and he didn't wake up i thought oh he died from his injuries like they tortured him so bad that he died from his injuries but then they show that his wrist has been cut like he killed himself and there's even more like to not talk under torture is noble to kill yourself because you know the next time you get tortured you're not going to be able to not talk is uh a monumental act like no wonder i would also be telling everybody i was that general to inspire him after that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah uh i don't know it's like this movie is also super on the nose but that is not a bad thing and i don't know i i i, I probably will watch this again i and i don't know how I have more rossellini on the schedule but i do want to watch more rossellini movies I definitely mm-hmm. am curious about like Rome Open City and some of his other uh, other movies. Yeah. The only other one I've seen by him is Python, which I was okay with, but it's uh it's a series of vignettes about World War one that takes place like before, one after and one during, I wanna say. Or maybe it's different parts of the battles going on. Anyways, it it was interesting, but um, he's got a part where he's got a bunch of English speaking actors, mm-hmm. and they might also be non actors because they're they're not very good, and uh, it's just much easier to tell. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned the Johnny Boy comparison earlier, but I generally do feel like this is a like I'm, I'm pretty sure Scorsese has cited Rossellini as an influence, or at least someone he likes at some point. Because this does feel 
this reminds me of like Scorsese stuff in general. I can't really explain mm-hmm. it beyond like it just feels like like uh like kind of Goodfellas, not Goodfellas, uh, yeah, kind of Goodfellas ish and kind of like Irishman and some other like stuff that vaguely I guess sense of. The... Did you did you see that tweet uh, somebody made about? Uh... If I got hired to do a Marvel movie, I would hire Martin Scorsese to play the villain just for fun or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bet he would do it, too. I hope so, but probably... No, he wouldn't. He's he's a little more. <laughs> okay. He might make a cameo. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is a good movie. Uh, I feel like I, I'd say great if I watch it a few more times but uh, yeah it's uh, I I want to learn more about Rossellini and his collaboration with the fascists and Nazis which I'm not saying it make, makes him a bad director or anything I'm just kind of curious uh, what exactly like even more of like what exactly he did during that era Mm. I am dying to watch some more Rossellini after watching this one, and and also to watch more Victorio De Sica. You know, he's he did Numberto D. He did uh, Bicycle Thieves. Bicycle Thieves. We right. have so, a couple more of his stuff. We got um yesterday, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. a rom com, uh, vignette thing with um uh. Oh, vignette? Never mind. Uh, Marcello no, Sof- and Sophia Loren, where there are mm-hmm. a couple, and like one is the past, one's the present, one is the future. And uh, yep. the Sika did a bunch of movies with Marcello, and I, 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 at least I, we we're going to do like one or two. Sure. Right. And the tenth victim. Um, if you want to. Yeah. That'd be fun to revisit. We could have somebody else on. Uh, Stephanie. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Melanie, actually, she's like our, our birthday friend. Uh, don't say birth. Okay. Uh, yeah, Melanie, I, I could be down for that. Uh, but uh, okay, so this is nineteen fifty. I had nine. Nine. Or, the no. year my mom was born. Uh, actually, mom, I never said that you were born. 20 years later yep okay so uh, I don't have much from this year but what I have is stuff I really like and one I really fucking hate uh, Santa Claus that awful Mexican um, creepy ass movie do you know what I'm talking about no I don't know what you're talking about MST3K did a thing on it it's deep uh, it's one of those old kids movies that is creepy as fuck to look at Oh. It's, uh, I think it's unwatchable. <clears throat> but I know some people love it. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, I will. St- <laughs> I will start. One is Rio Bravo, which is the right wing response to um, High Noon, because Howard Hawks and John Wayne were like, when I saw High Noon, they're like, hold up. The hero has most ha- un-American movie I've ever seen. It it, it kind of is subtly communist, but he's like the hero has to ask for help. What what socialist bullshit is this? And Rio Bravo and a, and a woman helps him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they did not like that. 
But Rio Bravo, besides being like uh, overtly right wing, it's um, it's just a really good hangout movie. Um, the uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen kind of takes the spirit of it and adapts it into like, what if it was like a sleek uh, exploitation movie, like action movie. And uh, if you're into Western, if you're not really into Westerns and want to get into Westerns, watch Rio Bravo. That might be like a turning point of whether or not you're really into them or not. But I like the <clears throat> 50s and 40s era Westerns a, a little more than like the 70s and 60s ones. So Rio Bravo is more what I'm into. Like the, basically like the dad Westerns. Hey, like, have you seen High Noon? Yes. I really like High Noon. Okay. Like I like all the ones okay. that like that like my dad and 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 my grandpa like are really into. Or like like watch a marathon of like I'd rather watch like Rio Bravo over like any Clint Eastwood Western, honestly. You're ta- you're talking the golden era of Westerns when they yeah. really well, like Western stars were the, the ones not Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Which uh we're gonna do at least one of the spaghetti westerns, but I'm not really into the spaghetti westerns as much, personally. How does your father and grandfather feel about El Topo? I doubt they've ever heard of it. Oh, okay. My well, dad would watch it, but I don't think he'd like it. No. <laughs> I don't know your father, but uh, no. Um, the Mummy, the, the Hammer movie, is Christopher Lee as The Mummy... It feels like a proto Jason Voorhees uh, movie in some ways, because uh, the mummy acts like Jason, and there's some real Jason-esque moments involving doors and windows and shit. Uh, well, at least a couple uh, big moments like that, where it's like this feels like uh, Sean, whatever Saw's movie was Cunning, like, Cunningham. Kind, of, kind of like Saw's movie, like what if Jason like destroyed a door? Like like Christopher Lee did in that one movie, mm. and also Christopher Lee gives a great yeah. performance despite the fact that he pretty much never talks the whole time. Oh, another one, huh? <laughs> well, the mummy doesn't talk; it's a curse. It's like a golem. It has one purpose, and it will. Con- oh, so he's not he's not secretly a hot dude like in uh, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. No, this this mummy is just like it's like Jason Voorhees. Like it's a where it's like it's out to complete a mission, it will complete that mission, and then when the mission's done, it's done. Yeah, even uh, the uh, Universal Horror one, he, he's not a mummy most of the time. He's just Prince stare at the camera. Oh, uh, uh, Christopher is that Bella Lugosi? He, no, the one who is Indian, uh, Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Okay. Or yes. his mom was Indian. I think he was Indian. I can't remember now. Mm. I know Boris Karloff was not his real name, but yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I don't. Because he played, like, ethnic characters because he was actually ethnic. He, look, people know oh. what I mean when I say that. Good for him. Yeah. And The Nun Story, the Audrey Hepburn movie, directed by Fred mm. Zineman, who directed High Noon. It's the rare... Um, Audrey movie that is as great as she is in the movie. This isn't a case of it's all right, but she's the best part. Like the the whole movie is pretty great, and uh, I highly recommend it if you've 
never really seen it or done a deep dive with us Audrey movies, but this one should be talked about more. It's I just think she's phenomenal in it, and uh, uh, I just, I think I like Fred Zineman movies in general. I don't I don't think there's an Audrey Hepburn movie that I'm like over the moon about, except for um no Roman no, Holiday. Roman Holiday is definitely great, and I like Charade a lot. But like Breakfast Breakfast at Tiffany's, no, it sucks. Um, Have you the, seen the Paris she... Paris Mount Sizzles? No, I've seen I've seen part of uh, when she goes. She's dancing with oh, Funny Face. Funny Face, yeah, I don't like that one either. Funny Face has a great. Um, oh. beatnik dance sequence in a coffee shop that makes the movie. And Sabrina um, is one of the weirdest movies. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. I love it, but that is a weird, <laughs> weird movie. <laughs> she starts off with her trying to commit suicide, and the whole time I kept thinking, "Your dad is asleep upstairs. You do know what carbon monoxide does, right?" <laughs> yeah, Jesus. but uh, yeah, but the non-story, like as a Audrey fan. I have like maybe four or five left. I don't want to like watch all of them and then have nothing mm. left. That's why I'm so slow about it. But uh, as like someone who's seen like almost all our movies, most of them are fine to just good. And this mm. is the one that's like, oh, this is actually great. And Nun Story definitely is like, like the 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 what this big standout. That isn't Roman right, Holiday. Add it to my watch list. And that horror movie she did. Uh, um, Wait Until Dark. Yeah, Wait Until Dark. Yeah, I was going to say whatever you feel about that. That one's great. Uh, Nun's Story. I think because like it, it's a Hollywood movie that portrays Africa in a way that's kind of... Uh, I'm not say progressive, but it's not offensive... And for the era, it's like, holy shit, they're training them like people, sort of. Yeah. It, it, yeah. My Fair Lady. She's the only reason to watch My Fair Lady. Again, she's the only, re- only reason to watch a lot of her movies. Right. Let's see. You had a couple. Oh, do you want me to go now? Yeah, I'm done. Good. Uh, damn it. Okay, uh, because I don't know what we're going to talk about, when we're going to talk about, I'm just going to pick two. So Ben-Hur is kind of a, it's already a classic, you know, it's probably been on TCM every hour on the hour since TCM existed. Oh, I heard they show other movies though. But uh, I hadn't seen it before, and then I remember they were... Uh, showing it on the big screen, and I went to go see it, and I did not know... Uh, I, I basically didn't know anything about the movie, I just know about the famous, you know, chariot scene, because that's, like, the stuntman rumors of one of them dying, or, or something like that, or and just the amazing scale of it and everything like that, is why I thought it was remarkable, but... I think that Charlton Heston, despite probably being a terrible person, <laughs> he, 
Apparently, he's, he was respectful uh, to other people, different opinions. Dana Gould, of course, did a talk show with him. Dana Gould's a, a like a, a, a liberal, and Heston, you know, people listening know where his politics were. He, he was a conservative, and uh, in a talk show, uh, like on commercial breaks, because um, there's mm-hmm. a they talked about politics, and Charles Heston when was actually like nice to. Uh, Dana Gould, even though like they're talking about, like gun, I think they're gun rights, and like in between breaks, he's like, "Hey, I, I appreciate your opinion." Like he's actually being a, a human, and like, Good. yeah, it, it's it's nice to hear that. Like, at least yeah, to you know, to, uh, to 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 famous people, he was like, "Yeah, it's fine. I don't care." Yeah, well, that's good because a lot of people don't even try to do that, including myself. Uh, yeah, so, anyways, uh, I, and also I grew up Christian, so I, I know a lot of that stuff, and for some reason I completely missed that it's like a, <laughs> a story that coincides with with the events of the New Testament, or, you know, the first, the gospel, that is, at least, and that don't, don't, I know there's somebody who's listening to this is like, oh my god, you didn't know that? Like, I'm sorry, okay? I don't always pay attention to things. I didn't know uh, that anyways. until, like, I heard that uh, podcast on it, like, a year ago. Oh. Okay. But, like, there's there's a Simpsons moment that makes fun of it, and that made the joke so much funnier. Now, um... Uh, what? <laughs> what's the joke? It's um, during the film festival one where the critic is the guest star or guest stars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Monty Burns, drink up Judah Ben-Hur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the Boo Burns episode? Yes. <laughs> I said Boo Burns. <laughs> we did 47 takes and that was the best one. Uh, playing Charlton Heston. Uh, yeah, so, anyways, Charlton has knocks it out of the park. It's gorgeous, you know, it's it's that big production gorgeousness that is not repeatable because we don't do Technicolor and Rayon for our costumes anymore. People, I guess, care about <laughs> lighting conditions and, and whether or not it looks authentic, which, yes, no, they're totally, they're totally right. But we've got these classics to watch, so if you haven't seen Ben-Hur, I do recommend it. And uh, you know I don't like long movies, so that's a long movie. And the other thing I'm going to recommend is something we covered for Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the science fiction podcast I used to do, called uh, The World of the Flesh and the Devil. Um, this was recently on Criterion. I, maybe maybe it was like a year ago, but to me it was like yesterday. Uh, because it's, it's notable because it stars he, he, um, Harry Belafonte. And... It only uh, the only other two people in the movie are Inger Stevens and Mel Ferrer, and it's kind of a it's post apocalyptic. The world has essentially ended. There are no people, as far as they can tell, and these people are all in New York. And it's initially a survival thing, but eventually, because two of these people are white and one of them is Harry Belafonte certain things start to get assumed about who's going to be with who and who should be in charge of who. 
and it does not shy away from it. And I think the ending is thrilling, not to, you know, not to disclude all the lead up to it. Like there's something that feels neorealist about that. Now I think about it because you're, you know, the one scene in 28 days later when, Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name wakes up and he's like hello you know it's like london streets are empty he's like walking on the freeway no way he's there that's basically how the whole movie feels okay and yeah so um that's this is for rental on amazon and all that stuff i really highly recommend it and there is a blu-ray of it which i don't have yet oh neat all right. Uh, I'm, I was looking at books that came out this year, and uh, I'm saving it for the other because uh, people uh, a little pick behind the curtain. We're recording this before we record the French one episode because in the, that one we're going to talk about uh, Hiroshima Mamor. So we will talk about this and other World War Two European art house movies. So. Uh, and, you don't, and uh, uh, oh, I'd probably say what's coming up for July. I didn't even think to do that. Can you tell? I, yes, I can tell. Every, I, I can't. <laughs> things always change. <laughs> As of, okay, found it. <laughs> this is June, so then July is. Oh, uh, July is gonna be. I lied in an earlier episode. We're returning to Pasolini, hopefully, with Mama Roma, if that's still streaming and available, which maybe it will be. Who knows? And My Life to Live, the Godard movie I really like, with Entume. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, so he will make a return and. I'm really curious why he picked that Godar, but yeah. Oh, man, you can never tell yeah. with him what what works for him, what's not going to work for him. Yeah. I mean, I heard he doesn't even like Marvel movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, my life to live. That's one that uh, I don't hear talked about as much. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I saw it the one time. Really like it. Your friend Randall sold it to me as it's Godar doing Mizoguchi, which, oh, which had me like, okay, uh, that that yeah. I hooked and it's like, uh, uh, yeah, and, and it it definitely is in some ways, but oh, the special episode for that month, oh, to be determined. No, is that? Oh, it's not listed because I couldn't decide what it was going to be yet. So, who knows? It'll be something. I don't know yet. Okay. No worries. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we're better off uh, by then. I'm not sure yet, but be smart. Oh, as a country? In general. Yeah, we'll see. Be nice, respect people. You know, that's that stuff. You stopped. The show can be found on Twitter at P 
piano player pod our email is still high and low pod at gmail.com you can find a show on spotify podbean and various other places where you can find podcasts our intro music is by vivian fop and our cover art is by sarah roberts you can find her art sarah kathleen and thank you for listening